join us in wishing a special saint of the church a happy 100th birthday. Happy birthday, Liz! Happy Pastor Mark is going to be sharing with us about the life of Moses. And sometimes, like Moses, we need to get out of our comfortable places, go someplace new, go to a different place in our lives in order to see a burning bush, in order to see something different, to recognize God in a new way. It certainly seems like what we're going through in our own personal lives as a nation, as a world, has moved us out of our comfort area. We can all take this moment to recognize where God is moving us, who God is, and who we are. Let us worship God this day. Please join us in the call to worship. God is here with us in this moment. The, the kingdom, kingdom of God, God is within our grasp. There is hope in the present and hope for the future. We, we are standing on holy ground. Please join with us as we sing together holy ground. Thank you. 
Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What are the most trusted professions in the United States? The most trusted? Well, the top professions probably won't be a big surprise to you. Most surveys put nurses and firefighters and first responders at the top of the list, followed by doctors, dentists, pharmacists, and teachers. Also near the top, in the top 10, are, are farmers, and somewhere in the middle are pastors. Now, I was relieved that pastors are not at the very bottom of the list, but I was also very humbled that in all the surveys that I looked at, pastors were not near the top of the list in any of them. With trust comes authority and respect. If you are trusted, people will rely upon you, especially those who have the expertise on our physical care. But for those of us that are somewhere in the middle, trust must be earned, and it is frequently challenged and it is easily lost. And maybe this is how it should be, that we are held accountable for our actions. In many ways, I think that pastors are going through an identity crisis. And it's because our churches are going through an identity crisis. And so is the Christian faith as a whole, and so is education and science and government and so many institutions that were once held in high esteem. You may be going through your own identity crisis. Who am I? Who am I as a dad? Who am I as a mom? Who am I as a husband? Who am I as a wife? Who am I as a son, as a daughter? Who am I as a student, as a musician, as an athlete? So many of the things that define us, the activities and actions that gave us an identity have all been turned upside down and are changing even right now as I speak. Who am I as a Christian? Who am I as an American? I share this with you not so we'll all feel sorry for ourselves that we've lost our identity, we've lost our authority, we've lost our basic trust for one another. No, I, I share this with you to help you understand that we've been here before. This is how it was for Moses when Moses was called by God. And this is how it was when Jesus started his public ministry. Let me explain. As you may recall, Moses had a very interesting and very complex identity. He was born to Hebrew slaves. Because of the Egyptian genocide, the plan to do away with all Hebrew male children, Moses' mother put Moses in a basket to float down the Nile, hoping that some good soul would find Moses and save his life and raise him. And that's how it worked out. 
One of Pharaoh's daughters found this floating crib and found the baby Moses and decided to raise him. Now, there's more details that I could get into, but for now, let's just go with the big picture. Moses, born of Hebrew slaves, raised by Pharaoh's daughter in Pharaoh's palace, has his first identity crisis, discovering who his people really are. As a young man, Moses sees one of his people being mistreated by an Egyptian taskmaster. Moses confronts the Egyptian for abusing the slave and ends up killing the Egyptian. Later on, Moses goes to his people. He tries to break up a fight between two Hebrew slaves, but he is criticized for stepping in. His accuser even says to him, are you, are you going to kill one of us like you did the Egyptian? Moses came to realize that, that he didn't fit in anywhere, not with the Egyptians who raised him, and not with the Hebrew slaves from whom he had come originally. So Moses left as a fugitive, guilty of murder, started a new life in Midian that was located in northwestern Saudi Arabia. He was married, and he became a shepherd. Now let's review. Moses didn't belong anywhere. Moses was an immigrant in Midian, a nomad, invisible, unknown, except to God. God saw him. God knew him. And out in the middle of nowhere, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. God said to Moses, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses did not react well to this call from God. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Pharaoh was the most powerful king the world knew at that time. In fact, his own people worshipped him as a god. Moses was com comparing himself to Pharaoh, this great king. And Moses, a lowly shepherd, a nobody. So what that he had spent his early years as, as one of them, one of the royalty, cared by and raised by one of Pharaoh's daughters. Now we may see this as an advantage for Moses dealing with Pharaoh and having some familiarity with their culture. Apparently, Moses did not see anything advantageous about his past that made him a good choice. Moses had no authority, no trust 
There was nothing about Moses that had any pull or any appeal for the Israelites that were under the burden of slavery. How could he lead them? But God reassured Moses, I will be with you. Well, still, Moses hesitated. He said, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Sometimes it's translated, I will be who I will be. In this life-changing foundational vision, when God calls Moses to this monumental task, Moses asked these two very important questions. Who am I? And who are you? Both questions address the same concern. What authority does Moses have to lead the Israelites? Why should the Israelites trust Moses and why should they trust God? How on earth are a bunch of slaves going to revolt against the most powerful empire in the world and just leave, just walk out of Egypt as free people? Well, let's fast forward 1,300 years. 13 centuries later, Jesus is calling his disciples and beginning this ministry to preach and teach and, and heal the Hebrew people, people of his day who are under Roman rule. Jesus lays out his mission as he quotes the scripture from the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The people marvel at Jesus' preaching and teaching. They say, never have we heard anyone who speaks like this. He's not like other rabbis. He speaks with authority. His critics, mainly the Pharisees and other religious leaders, ask, Who is this man? Where did this man get this wisdom and these deeds of power? Some ask, How does this man have such learning when he has never been taught? The Pharisees knew who the great rabbis were. And they knew whom the disciples studied and where students received their education. But they'd never heard of Jesus. And they knew that what they knew about him was that he was from this little village in the hills of Galilee. And their view of Jesus was he was a nobody from nowhere. But he spoke with authority. Jesus takes all of his disciples to a lonely place that's on, on the border between, between Galilee and Syria. And he asks them, who do people say that I am? 
And they respond. They say, some say Elijah. Some say one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asks, but who do you say that I am? Simon responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus tells Simon, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Coming to understand the authority and identity of Jesus as the Christ was a revelation that God gave to Simon. As, as Simon realized, came to understand Jesus' identity, Simon took on this new identity as Peter, the name that Jesus gave him. It means the rock. What was true for Peter is also true for us. When we realize that Jesus Christ is real, that he loves us and accepts us and forgives us, and he shows us who God is, that God is love, not only do we come to understand Jesus' identity, but we also come to understand our identity in Christ. In 2 Corinthians, it says, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Now, I want to be clear on how I explain this. You and I are given a a clean, fresh start in Jesus. Our identity is found in following Jesus, a person who was afraid of no one, who accepted everyone, who respected and cared for the most vulnerable, who stood up to power and authority, who confronted hypocrisy, who believed in God and prayed to God and loved God and then lay down his life without ever turning to violence himself. Yes, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You have a new identity. But like any new creation, you still have room to grow. You still need to grow into Christ and grow into all of the things that Christ has in store for you. And sometimes that means having to outgrow all the mess that we were in before. We men know we still have junior high boy brains with all the appetites and lusts and desires and, and rebellion of the past. And most of us need a lifetime to work through and overcome and heal and grow up. And although it's impossible for me to know what it's like to have a junior high female brain, I do get the idea that there are many complex issues to deal with and work through, having to do with self-esteem and body image and the healing of many emotional and physical scars related to what our culture puts on girls and what boys and men with junior high brains put on girls. Finding, keeping, and developing your identity as a new creation in, in Christ takes a lifetime. 
The good news is we can get there. The new identity in Christ is within our grasp. And all the bad news in our culture, in our politics, in our religion, in our nation, in our world, that attempts to damage our identity does not have the final word. God does. God whispers in your ear and my ear what he whispered in Moses' ear thousands of years ago. I am with you. It may take a lifetime for us to hear it, but God will not give up on you. God is at work in us to help us to become new creations that are more and more like Jesus all the time. So that how we live and how we love one another will bring the kingdom of God that Jesus preached and taught about it to completion. Who am I to get up in front of you and preach about Jesus? Who is this God who sometimes whispers in my ear? Who are you, God? I can't see God, but Jesus has made him known. Jesus Christ is the bridge. Jesus unites God's identity with ours. Following Christ, living in Christ, growing into Christ, is the one identity that's worth holding on to. Who am I? Who are you? In Jesus Christ, we will be what we will be, remade, restored, in the image of Christ, in the image of God. Amen. Say
Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, open our hearts to see what is good in our lives. Keep us from being so blinded and deafened that we miss the burning bushes, the opportunities to encounter you, whether in the quiet moments or in the chaos of our lives. Help us, Lord, so that even in suffering we may wait patiently for what is becoming new and perfect. Teach us to notice the needs of others, the cries of injustice, and the stirring of our hearts. Walk with us, giving rest for the weary, peace for the anxious, and towards healing for the sick. And so we pray for Millie, that you would pour out your healing power as you have before in a mighty way to restore her, to do your miraculous work in and through her 
and through the doctors at work for her. We lift up Norma in thanksgiving for your patient care and pray, O oh Lord, that you would give her patience with herself, that she may heal completely. Give her wisdom as she moves forward in self-care and watch over and protect her. We continue to lift up all those in need, those unnamed but on our hearts. You know each and every one of them. Grant them the knowledge of your presence. May they feel the warmth of our prayers embracing them and lifting them ever upward into your care. We pray for those who are grieving this day. Especially do we pray for the family of Maxine Atkins, who have journeyed these many years in love and concern. As Maxine's memory faded, your faithfulness remained constant. And we give thanks that she is at home with you, fully restored in a body not made by hands, but eternal in the heavens. Grant her family a peace that comes from the assurance of resurrection and new life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hear our prayers this September day, full of hope and promise, as we have celebrated the 100th birthday of Elizabeth Graddard on Saturday. Bless her with joy. May she know the good and glad wishes of all her friends who hold her close in their hearts and prayers. And now, O oh Christ our Lord, we give thanks to you as we pray the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. May the grace of God, the compassion of Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit continue to make you new and make our world whole. Amen. Let my people go! No, no, no! What don't you people understand about no? It's a simple word. N-O. No.